we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar uh, taking part in the New York Film Festival this year. You know, kind of, as they go all online and all digital, we have a complete non-spoiler review for you right now as we will be reviewing and talking about the Sofia Coppola film On the Rocks, starring Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, Marlon Wayans, and Jenny Slate. I am your co-host, Mike. One, this is co-host also, Mike. So we had a New York Film Festival experience last night. I had it from my bed, where I had the <laughs> laptop on my belly. Where all great film festivals start. <laughs> and I watched a really fun, enriching movie. It was a really uh, enjoyable experience. And it was nothing like my New York Film Festival experiences from the past, where I would sit on a train from Connecticut day in and day out and just go to Alice Tully Hall, go to Lincoln Center, eat overpriced sushi, et cetera, et cetera spend all the money I, I made not a lot of film festivals you can get away with having a white t-shirt half rolled up above your gut and just a handful of cheeto dust all over your mouth so i appreciate this for as well you. no i didn't go the <laughs> cheeto route but i had my green tea because again i got the nicotine craving still and apparently green tea helps and it's not helping enough but it's helping uh still i, I that's that's what i was doing and i had the celtic game kind of in the background but uh. this movie was good enough where I didn't watch the Celtics. So yeah. what did, how did you manage those two things? My review is going to be interesting because I was uh, <laughs> watching during the Celtics game, which is a bad idea because for those of you who don't know and aren't taking part in the New York Film Festival, the way they're doing the online thing is that uh, for their spotlight ones, the bigger name ones, they will give you basically a four-hour window right. with which you need to watch and complete your rental, and then they take it away from you, and that's it. And it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of it. This one was available from 8 to midnight. So if you didn't start this movie, prior to 10 15 p.m last night which they were nice enough to point out in the email you weren't going to see the whole thing and once it was midnight they were going to pull it so I, I i started it because the Celtic game started at like 20 of 9 8 45 mm-hmm. and i just stuck with it with my headphones on while the the big tv played the celtics game so i was watching this in between you know moments of agony and ire and outrage <laughs> and anger so my review might be a little interesting I, i'm i'm more surprised that i'm not more down on this movie right because of the Celtics game, so that's probably a credit to Sofia Coppola. So this is a movie that is a calming presence in the world already. I mean, <laughs> I think it, it soothed you during your, you know, clenched feelings that you have during your sporting events, and you are not a typical fan either. Like, did I you know Tyler Hero is only twenty years old? Did you were you aware of that? You went off Son on the of poor kid. Bitch. He's twenty years old. I don't care. All right, we can't get into this. Uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this movie made you happier during a yes. very unhappy time where your favorite team lost. And uh, that, I, I'm really proud of you. I'm, I did not think we were going to be doing this today because I, I didn't either. going to say, screw the 25 bucks. I'm not watching it. I'll let Mike watch it and maybe I'll talk to him about it at some point. Yeah, I didn't either. Again, it's a credit to Sofia Coppola and, and Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, who are kind of like the two leads specifically in this, that. I, I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to yeah. see where the movie went. So I think good. that's this is all good things about this movie for sure. That's probably the best review you can give it 
going forward. <laughs> so it's all downhill from here. Anyway, we'll kind of introduce the movie a little bit via the critic scores. It got a 75 meta score uh, at this moment. It's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes after 17 reviews. Like Mike said, it had its premiere at the New York Film Festival where we both watched it virtually last night. There are some tickets available going forward, folks, for some of the movies still on filmlink.org, L-I-N-C. But otherwise, you know, the some of the big movies like Nomadland, they are sold out. We'll watch that on Saturday. Otherwise, Mike, this is coming to Apple TV Plus on October 23rd. That is a $5.99 monthly subscription that I do think is worth it. And this is kind of a reason why it's worth it. You get movies like this. This is kind of the kickoff to a big run for Apple TV Plus coming up. And we've talked about and previewed their upcoming library and upcoming selections. And it's all very impressive stuff. Uh, And I think this is well suited as kind of a kickoff to that. It's an A24 film. You've heard us talk about the people that are involved. A24 doesn't do bad award season movies, quite frankly. Or if they do, they're they're pretty nichely bad. So they're not going to be overall misses anyway. I think this is a big hit. I love A24 as a movie studio, and I think that their, you know, their partnership with Apple's very weird to me because A24 makes movies like Hereditary and the upcoming Saint Maud. They'll make those movies that are just not necessarily a four quadrant film, right? Right. Like you don't want a kid stumbling over that film and watching Hereditary because that kid would go insane. A24 makes some hard R films and Sofia Coppola has not necessarily made mainstream films, even with Lost in Translation. It's kind of an offbeat movie. It's anticlimactic. It's it's strange. It's subtle. It's it's dense. I mean, she's made a, a career on films like this. So I was surprised to see this as uh, an Apple TV plus movie when it, when it was first rumored, but a 24 Mike, they had a 21 film slate last year. They've only released, this is only their third film release of this year. First Cow, which we reviewed. Boys State, which is excellent, by the way, also on Apple TV Plus Good. as a documentary. I think we'll talk about that with Andrew when we do Dick Johnson is Dead uh, in a couple of weeks. I think uh, he wants to talk about like the category at large, the documentary category. But The Green Knight, Zola, Minari, St. Maud. We've heard about those. Come on, come on with Joaquin Phoenix, Red, White, and Water with Jennifer Lawrence. The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is going to come up again later in our Oscar lens. Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington are going to be in that Joe Cohen film. Mike, A24 has released nothing this year. So a question I have for you is, are we going to get more of these films, maybe more of the you know, the palatable ones to a mass audience. Are we going to get more of these films on Apple TV plus over the next few months? <sighs> big question. That is a big question. Uh, you know, predict the future right now. You're yeah, right. I don't, I don't know that, that any streaming service can do wrong right now because I mean, the landscape is basically their playpen, especially when you look at what's going on in theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, just yesterday, you know, we had, Disney basically cleared the way for the rest of 2020. I mean, I know Soul is still scheduled to come out at the end of November. You know, remains to be seen if that actually happens. But as far as, like, their Marvel properties, as far as West Side Story, they're moving all of that. So there's a barren landscape for theaters in 2020 for the rest of the year going forward. 
if streaming services wanted to capitalize on that, then yeah, why wouldn't they go forward and put out... I mean, all you're going to do is get more subscribers the more new movies you advertise that are appealing to any kind of audience, right? Sure. So if they if they wanted to kind of dominate, this could be a huge opportunity for them to make a bigger imprint with uh, and, uh, and widen their subscriber base that otherwise wouldn't be available if this were a quote-unquote normal award year, I think. Now, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, now you're an Apple guy. Did you go in for the new bundle? Like they bundled a bunch of their Apple-specific services together. I wish or, you were telling me this. Or that's about to happen, but it's like a $15 <laughs> bundle instead of the $6 you know, subscription. I like, I don't know if you do Apple music still, or if you do. No, I, I don't. I'm old. I'm very old school. I still buy songs, which I can hear your brother <laughs> laughing at me about in the background Sorry. somewhere. In that the was distance. an uncontrollable throat driven <laughs> fart noise by me. Um, but that said, I, I will do anything my Lord and savior, Tim cook needs me to do. So <laughs> if there's a bundle, I will probably be looking into it. <laughs> So this is news to you, the, yes. the news about the bundle. Okay. Like I said, I wish you didn't tell me that. I have no money as it is. I uh, think that <laughs> I'm going to avoid it. But I love the $6 a month. Like, I'm watching Ted Lasso like crazy. I've watched most of these original films. Boys State, like I said, was excellent. I want to talk more about it later. And now On the Rocks, I mean, for people, you know, thinking about whether or not they should buy Apple, I mean, it's worth I mean, $6 a month. It's worth $6 to pay for On the Rocks. So yeah, oh, absolutely, one. absolutely. Anyway, we kind of talked about our expectations already. We probably could dive into some script thoughts now. Sofia Coppola, do you have any track record with her? I have watched her whole career, but I, being a college student in New York City, you kind of have to. And she was like Q&As at the film festivals right. for Marie Antoinette uh, while I was there. And it, you know, just, I watched her entire filmography with a class up to the point. And then afterwards, uh, you know, throughout my life, I, I've stuck with her. So w- what's your experience with her? Not my, first of all, I appreciate you asking a question to me and then going on and answering it about yourself. Yeah. Uh, say- it's like, what was your dream last night? My dream was about Sofia Coppola. And I was sitting here with my mouth street. open, like not breathing, waiting for you to stop so I can jump in. But I'm glad you did, in all seriousness, because I don't have much of a history with Sofia Coppola. I mean, I know she's a great director. I've actually been thinking to myself, independent of this movie uh, in the last couple of days, I'm like, man, I really got to get around to watching The Virgin Suicides because I've just never taken it in. That's a rough one. That's, that's I, I, I know it is. I mean, I know about it, but I, I don't. Other than like The Beguiled, I saw, which I was much higher on than a lot of people were. Yes. The remake of The Beguiled. But like even Lost in Translation, it's been years since I've actually sat down and studied it. So I don't have much of a history with Sofia Coppola outside of a couple films. But this one, I, I mean, I, I couldn't be higher on her after seeing this. So I was not expecting her to make a beautiful little pep talk of a film, especially for adults especially in 2020 like these are these are not 2020 problems happily joyously they are not 2020 problems i mean this is some obvious battle of the sexes stuff in here i mean mike remember when you were just an adult dealing with some family drama and some baggage in your life way back when that's like an enriching experience just to deal with some first world problems can i you know characterize it that that way i mean i guess we're you know this is a luxury 
nowadays to be thinking about a family like this a beautiful family with successful jobs how sad is that when nothing's when hearken, burning in the streets harken back to the days where all that mattered was maybe your husband was cheating on you <laughs> just good old-fashioned adultery thinking about america the con the conflict number one the the, the primary conflict the the as raised as these stakes get right. you know is just daddy uh, issues right. and adultery i don't think it's a luxury to you know i understand what you're the point you're trying to make and yes the 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 room has shifted in terms of uh what we talk about on the nightly news and what makes gossip but you know it's not this is still a very real problem going on i i think what i was most impressed with with the script though and this is something i said to you Mm -hmm. like we we talk all the time on here about how men can't write women and it's obvious when there's not a woman in the writer's room or at least that doesn't have a great impact on the script Uh, sophia coppola at least can absolutely write a an older white male because I mean, her writing of Bill Murray on this, I thought was spectacular. Obviously it goes into Bill Murray's performance as well, but that character I thought was handled spectacularly. He's a conflicted complex Tomcat of a character. And I read Mm -hmm. that from Owen Gleiberman's article. (laughs) Tomcat is the perfect, you know, uh, description of that character. And he had a bunch of French words that he described him with too, but I didn't read those or they didn't stick in my brain. Maybe. He's a real parfait of an actor. He's a... (laughs) (laughs) We're friends for a reason, folks. Mike, I thought Bill Murray was like effortlessly funny in this, even though he is hamming it up throughout. I wonder, Mike, if I would have seen all the outtakes or have been, you know, fly on the wall of this production if I would want to punch Bill Murray, like just for trying for all these things even though i'm saying this is effortless (laughs) i think the outtakes might have been in the movie i I don't know like we the best performances come from when actors are Mm -hmm. able to show themselves on screen and that's that that's kind of universally true for performances in general that's certainly like a pro wrestling epithet you got to find yourself and your character and turn it up to an 11 that's kind of i mean emma stone and la la land we talk about all these performances all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, when you're able to put yourself into your character is when you do your best and that i mean Bill Murray is this guy outside of maybe the hardcore misogyny that this character showed. Otherwise his, his cadence and his delivery and the way he talks to his daughter and his heart that you could see in just every scene. I mean, this was Bill Murray. The guy was literally singing to strangers on a beach in Mexico in one of the scenes. And it's totally believable because everybody has their Bill Murray story. This is exactly how I want to see him. And it's for all those reasons I truly believe he's going to end up nominated at the Academy Awards. You see, Mike, I say something usually on these podcasts, and then I realize it's untrue when I say it, or I (laughs) don't think I want to stick with it. And then I immediately try to backtrack from it. So... Yeah, and then I zone you out when you go on rants for like an hour like you just did. No, no, I listen, I think at the end of the day, you know, Bill Murray is who he is in the public eye, right? I mean, he's got t-shirts, he's got a career of kind of being the same guy, and when he's doing it on an 11, it either really works or it really doesn't. Yeah. And everybody has their favorite Bill Murray performances, etc. Like for me, like a meatball scrooged what about Bob Bill Murray is too much, and I've never liked him in those roles. I love him in the Wes Anderson movies. I love him uh, in the Sofia Coppola movies now, both of them, and I, I love him in, in, in some other films too. I'm with this Bill Murray, and it's not effortless. It is him literally going for laughs amongst regular people in regular situations, and you kind of think he's the fun uncle. Like, he reminded me of my uncles as yeah. a kid. He reminded me of... You know, the the person that has to be the funny guy in the room 
and you're just hoping to God that he is actually funny. Otherwise, this person is someone you want to punch to finally come full circle. This goes to the make script. Make my original point. And, yeah. well, it's a good point. And it's one I was going to bring up anyway, going to both the script and Murray's performance, in that because it is Bill Murray, mm-hmm. I found myself forgiving this character for a lot of ills that I would not have forgiven for a lot of other actors slash characters. And there was True. no comeuppance for those ills. And I was... I was wondering if this was a universal feeling, and then I, w- I was thinking to myself, "Am I just forgiving all of this? Is this okay? Are these sexist, like these sexist tropes, and these obviously clearly I can't hear women because their pitch is too high, which obviously he doesn't really mean, but also he's a dick for thinking that and saying it out loud because he kind of feels that way. His character does, etc. Am I am I just forgiving this because it's Bill Murray? Is that a universal feeling that we're all giving this because it's Bill Murray? But to make this screenplay in the twenty twenty. Like it is, he does have a comeuppance. And it's still a comeuppance, even though it is Bill Murray. And we all love Bill Murray. And so I thought that kind of tightrope between his performance, being able to pull that off, but still show regret and still, well, I mean, without giving anything away, he, his character has to face the music in a way. And between his performance and the way he does that, and Sofia Coppola's handling of it in terms of tone and where it fits into the plot, I was really, really impressed by both of those. It's a morality tale there's no question it's very clear unlike her a lot of her previous films i do think i mean she has built a career on being who she is and she has a dad who is world famous in francis ford coppola mm-hmm. and she makes a lot of movies about, oh does he make movies well and she has made a lot of her movies about kind of her dad in a right. way and her relationship with, with her dad i'm guessing you know, maybe it's not true at all. Maybe it's her uncle Nick Cage or something. Or are they uncles? Are they, are cousins? Nick Cage cousins? is ev- Nick Cage is everybody's uncle. So pretty sure they're it's universal. <laughs> anyway, she's got a lot of entertaining family members with those genes, and I'm sure she's writing about those relationships in a right. way. And, and in a male-dominated industry, it's something she has to reckon with in every film. And there's definitely satire here, but this is the clearest version of one of those stories I've seen her make. Yeah, I don't have. I've, I've heard that a lot. I don't have the depth of experience, like I said, with Sofia Coppola, but knowing what I know about Lost in Translation and the Beguiled and the Bling Ring and and the movie she has done, I know she has this reputation for flirting with either the unsaid or the unheard or the unstated. She's not someone that does hold your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan McQuaid put a quick recap of this movie on film Twitter last night after it was over and. Part of it was this forges no new ground, but it's just really well done. That's exactly how I would describe this. This is, yes, it does. I mean, there's no secret to what you see here, but it's so well done. It doesn't matter. It's like a mission statement, Apple TV plus film in a way, you know, they're going to put out, you know, this content that is, has broad appeal and, I think it's a well-made movie like Greyhound, like, uh, you know, I mean, the banker kind of fell short of a couple of those elements for us, right. even though we, we had a lot of enjoyment out of that film uh, as well when we reviewed it. And we've had a lot of enjoyment out of Apple TV Plus, to, to be entirely honest. Well, everybody should watch The Morning Show. It's that good. And it's and it's really fun. And Ted Lasso has been like a Parks and Rec kind of half-hour comedy for me lately that just makes me feel good. It's very optimistic. So I don't think the St. Mauds are coming necessarily, but I'd be curious now if they would stretch that out to the A24 films like Minari. Like if Minari can't open in a theater, I wonder if it would come to Apple TV+. Plus. But anyway, I'm going off on 
824 tangents again. I can always do that. Mike, <laughs> do you think this script has any chance of getting nominated? Because otherwise this Oscar lens is going to get very simple. Do you think that the Academy likes when a, a story is wrapped up in a, in a clear bow, a nice little pretty bow like this? Well, you can't get clearer than what, I mean, this is what, 96 minutes, and if you take out the credits, it's probably a 94, 93-minute movie. Mm-hmm. You're asking, does it have Oscar's legs outside of the one obvious one, which we'll talk about? I mean, is the script going to get nominated? It's so tough to predict anything right now and mm-hmm. i think that's a cop-out but look sofia coppola is a highly respected name in the industry she has her fans obviously in the industry uh she's not coming out of left field with this like we've just talked about she's got this track record of these films that even though they're not maybe not the clearest they they leave an impression on you either way so it's not like she has to quote unquote pay her dues which we talk about a lot i would imagine this would fall under the original screenplay category in case i'm missing anything i don't know that we have that many contenders in there right now to be honest with you so like where we sit right now recording this in late September, it has a chance. Do I think come March, April, when the Oscars are finally going to be coming to us, that this will be there at the end of the day? I wouldn't bet my money on it, and it's certainly not where I would place my money for this thing to be most likely represented on that show, because I do think there is an obvious nomination here. Um, But... Uh, it's one of those cases where I would like to see it, and I'm hopeful to see it go all the way. I just don't think it's going to happen. Never, rarely, sometimes, always, Eliza Hitman's script. I would say that's the most Oscar-y we, we've reviewed together thus far. And that I, could have a whole second life, depending on what happens in the world of politics and how that impacts cu- culture oh going forward. God. I hope I'm, I'm not. Just, I'm, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Yeah, I hope not, but you're probably right. Tenant is the other script that I would say, if you like it, you probably love it. And I liked it, so I love it. I really love it. Yeah, but it. is Tenet going to get, it's, is Tenet going to get applauded by the Academy or do you think, to it. me, that would go director, even though, I mean, d- d- regardless yeah. of how it was directed, they just want to give Nolan his praise. I, basically, the wins are saying no. Tenet is going to be in technical categories and that's it. Like, I think original score, no question. Other categ- and other technical categories like VFX, no question. A lot of people don't like the sound, but I would still argue it's probably the best sound of the year thus far because we haven't gotten a lot of good sound. Any right. sound. We've been watching shit on laptops, bottom line. So, Mike, <laughs> like, for me... I've just been putting my favorite screenplays up in the original screenplay database that I have. I have Big Time Adolescence, the half of it, The Lodge, The King of Staten Island. Right. But I don't expect any of those to necessarily be Oscar-y. So, right. like, I, that's why I was curious. Like, would you put On the Rocks as one of your favorite screenplays of the year thus far? I mean, it it of what we've had thus far, yeah. I mean, it's certainly, especially when you consider what we have had in terms of original screenplay, this one probably does smell the most Oscar-y in terms of what is historically considered an Oscar. But again, that's only because we've had nothing, you know? So, I mean, if you're going to put this head-to-head with King of Staten Island, yeah, I would imagine the Academy trends more towards this movie than anything else. If you put it head-to-head with Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, well, is Eliza Hittman going to be able to overcome that quote-unquote paying her dues, blah, blah, blah? I mean, there's a lot of variables, and it's safer to pick a Sofia Coppola movie in a lot of ways, or to bet on a Sofia Coppola movie. But all that is with a giant caveat of we need to see how the rest of the film year plays out, and if it plays out even where we get maybe, you know... 
10 to 15 more decent movies by the time the end of uh, February is here, whether through streaming or through limited theatrical runs or whatever, I would expect this to come to fall short at the end of the day. Yeah. So gun to our heads. Absolutely not a, a screenplay. Yeah factor i hope uh, i'm right. wrong i hope i you know i'd love to see this get have screenplay legs well this movie has sneaky oscar chances across the board though so let's keep going into production values for a hot minute here this was a family affair for sofia coppola her husband thomas mars the lead singer of phoenix i don't know if you're familiar with that band uh they wrote the song too young which i think was in a coppola movie a they... sofia coppola movie back in the day but let's let's to mania 1901 from wolf game amadeus mozart you remember that album in 2009 michael the, I, I know, but no, I don't remember that at all, but I know Phoenix wrote the, uh, does the song at the uh, beginning of the credits. I shazammed so it. The song is called Identical. I listened to it on YouTube. It's very pleasant. I'm wondering if in a diluted best original song field, it might be a sneaky best original song pick to give you guys like a look at that category thus far. No Time to Die, Billy Irish, uh, Eilish or Irish. Uh, Billy Irish is a different man. Imagine if she's Scottish and you just infuriated her right now. <laughs> I don't want to infuriate any Scotsman. <laughs> they scare me. They say fuck like fuck. Are you more scared of the Scots or the Eilish clan? <laughs> you fucking Oscar pundit. Anyway, Mike, I think well No Time to Die is a shoo-in. Like if that, if that yes. movie comes out before yes. February 28th. That is the best song of the year thus far. I mean, never mind the fact that the Academy in Hollywood is dealing what they're dealing with politically right now. And Billie Eilish was at the DNC and is an outspoken advocate and trying to get young people to vote. Her face is, you know, I mean, this, listen, I know people don't want to hear about it, but this stuff matters. We know it. We study it. We we can tell you definitively that type of thing matters. And it's the theme song for the year because of its obvious title. Anyway, right. <laughs> John Baptiste, he is doing uh, these original jazz composition songs for Soul. And I think people have buzzed about those. The Prom yep. is supposed to have an original song in it. But look, West Side Story, which was supposed to have an original song, Maya and the Last Dragon, Annette in the Heights. All of these movies that were going to be kind of like musicals and have original songs in there, they're moving off the schedule. I don't know... I don't remember these animated films. Did Mulan have an original one or the kids' films, animated films, Trolls World Tour? I don't think that was just like a, a rock, classic rock playlist for that movie. Usually so. if it comes from the kids' movie, it's got to be something that's catchy and is like taking over the airwaves, like a Let It Go, like a Happy, you know, something like that, All something right. that could be played in Top 40. So, so if- let's land where I needed to this discussion to land, Michael. Eurovision Song Contest, by far. <laughs> Husavik is the best original song of the year that we've seen in a movie that we know is going to be eligible thus far, by far. So can you agree with me on that? Can you imagine the producers of Deadpool 2 (laughs) shelling out the money like they did last year to have Celine Dion come in as a giant gag to think maybe we can steal an Oscar and they don't even make it to the nomination stage and this year we have nothing and we We might give it to Eurovision. Eurovision, by far the best original song. Look, Ya Ya Ding Dong, I know we all want it but we can't expect that to happen. Anyway, Identical might have a sneaky original song chance. I know I'm stretching here but uh, looking at the dearth of of options i'm just saying dearth means too many the uh this the scorched earth of options. <laughs> this is none well it, it also i mean we are also fresh off a year where we were being told cats was being brought to a screen by thomas hooper and taylor swift was going to have an original song and look what happened there so I, there might be some hesitation in that category too to wait and see before predicting things for sure 
but you're a man lost in time. I think you said Deadpool 2 was last year. I thought it was two years ago, but it, you're right. It's Celine Dion. Mike, March feels like it was a decade and a half ago. I swear to God. I know. Celine Dion, <laughs> if she came out with a move, uh, song this year, she would be like atop that category. Exactly. Look, this is a very New York movie, and I'm really happy it premiered at the New York Film Festival. I'm glad they were all over it. Very New I York. Could... I think they did a good job of showing the city, too. Honestly, if we saw this in New York, like this would be a like a cool tourist movie for yeah. us. Like we would have gone to this movie, sat through the Q and a felt very New York. We would have walked through Lincoln center area. We'd have gone out for a coffee or a drink or mm-hmm. a meal or a, too much sushi afterwards. <laughs> and we would have really enjoyed the whole New Yorkie experience. Do right? you have an addiction to sushi? Is there a problem <laughs> that I need to alert someone about? Why, why is that a problem though? Well, Even you brought it, it up true. a lot of times without me asking for it. I'm just asking. I just remember, I just remember eating too much sushi. And it wasn't with my brother. That was a separate occasion. You entered we, this wistful tone in your voice. I remember. Like you're talking about called, a lost lover. It was called Sushi Agogo. And I would go of course there it was. across the street from my campus and I would eat too much sushi there. Let me tell you, had you told me this story without any details, I could have told you the name of the place was Sushi Agogo. <laughs> I don't know why I kept going back there. I spent way too much money there. Anyway, I would eat a lot of sushi there, and then I would go to the you know film festival screening, and then I would be sick afterwards. Anybody to, else feel shitty? Guillermo del Toro is talking about Pan's Labyrinth, and I'm sitting there. Ooh. How was that like movie, Mike? Whip. I gotta throw up. <laughs> ate too much sushi. This is a dumb conversation to add in this it's review. It's exactly where we thought it was going, I'll tell you. The reason I'm bringing up New Yorkiness is that we have cinematography from an Oscar-nominated cinematographer, Felipe Lasord. I'm not pronouncing his name right, but he was Oscar-nominated in 2013 for The Grand Master. Any chance that this movie's cinematography is up at the end of the day? This, this has some big-budget looks to it. Yeah, I want to say no, but I'm not going to say no to anything with a Coppola name attached. Because, like, this has very Sofia Coppola shots. Like, that slow-mo, close-up shot of the martini glass in the wine bar with the song playing and Rashida Jones' tear enters. Like, that's fucking art. Like, not a lot of directors can pull that off in a movie that's objectively funny and have it be taken seriously like it is. So, like, there's shots that stick with you. I want to say no I, I'm willing to more go down the road with a screenplay, and I'm willing to more go down the road with a couple other categories than I am cinematography, but it's tough to say when you have stuff like that that sticks in your mind, absolutely not. But it's it's better than the cinematography we've seen thus far this year, right, in most movies. Like, you could tell the production values are just like, so like, high. If you, if you want to go on the record and say this is probably the best all-around movie we've seen this year, I think I would agree with that. Well, I'm not there yet. I mean, it's... Okay. It, uh, it's it's probably in my top ten, to be honest. Yeah, I mean that's that's I, what I'm talking. That's what we're talking here in terms of every kind of Oscar category. This is certainly a, probably felt the most Oscar-y right off its watch for me in a lot right. of ways. Well, we've saved the best for last because the performances is probably where it has its best chance to get nominated. Let's start with Rashida Jones. She's from Parks and Recreation. She is the lead of this story. I despise some of her dialogue, to be honest, and I... Isn't that ironic? What? That's, I, I was just saying, that's a little ironic in that I was gloating about how Sofia Coppola wrote the, the, the male father character, and yet, because so I, I have the same problem. I'm with you. There's some dialogue that falls flat for me when it comes to Rashida Jones. I just feel like her dialogue was like setting up 
Bill Murray at, at times. So I wish there was more written for her, even though I think her performance is pretty darn good, especially in the third act. I was really with her there. I think her scenes with Jenny Slate are really good. I think her scenes with her kids or scenes where she's about town. I just think maybe she's deferring to Bill Murray a little bit. and Maybe she's kind of doing her own thing where she's got this world famous father and Quincy Jones. And yeah, well, that's, what, that's where I was. I didn't feel like she was deferring to Bill. Murray. I, I thought. I think anytime you're on screen with somebody the caliber of Bill Murray, you're going to get eaten alive if you don't do something. Like if you don't, if you don't have the confidence to pull that scene off, you're going to be just the side character. I think. But that's just, her character's job, though, too. But I, I was going to say, like way. having having this actress who was who is the daughter of Quincy Jones, who was raised in Motown and has been famous basically her entire life. I didn't feel like she was lost in the shuffle at all. I thought she was bringing some authentic pain. I mean, she was a, a grown ass woman that has been through some stuff. I'm sure in her personal life and you could see her relating to this and and it was an authentic telling of this character for me as far as she went all right you're higher on her than i was i i think i wanted more from her in this movie especially because it's kind of a two-hander three-hander and i was i was hoping for a little more but i I loved her in the third act like i said i gotta say this now and i'm shocked to say this because i love marlon wayans i love his career i love his goofy comedy stuff he makes me laugh consistently and i grew up on the wayans brothers etc I thought he was dreadful in this movie. Just as one of the worst performances of the year. I cringed in nearly every scene. I know his character is a guessing game, and that's the whole point of the movie, and you can watch it and see what's, you know, what he's all about at the end of the day. So he's got a poker face on his character, and that's not his fault. But like to me, I was just really upset with his performance. I'm going to alienate the rest of our audience right now so you guys can click off. Um, you, you know in baseball, there's war. <laughs> There's a, it's called a wins above replacement player. And basically it's a single number value to say this player provides you so many more wins than if he was to be replaced by an average everyday run of the mill, average baseball player. Yeah. I, I felt like Marlon Wayne's war in this would be zero. I, I felt oh, no. like you could have replaced Marlon Wayne's with literally any actor and gotten what Marlon Wayne's gave you in this. It didn't work. It just never worked in this movie. Well, like, he's I didn't not, buy... you know, he doesn't have much to work with, I thought, but he's just, he doesn't. He doesn't do much, does he? In the script, in the plot, I didn't like. Maybe it's it's just not liking the character, and you're not supposed to like the character, whether he's turns out good or bad, regardless. At the end, but you're not liking him. Like why they left their wedding in one of the first scenes of the movie? They leave their wedding to do something, and I'm like, nobody leaves that high priced of a party. Maybe I'm just poor. And I just, you know, can you imagine well, if any I, of our friends or relatives left their wedding in the middle of their wedding to do what they do? I Once know. So, leave, I know some people who have, Mike. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, but no, you, you can't leave and do that is what I'm saying. Okay. And then you can't go back to the wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to your judgment. I'll, I'll, I'll side with you. But he, he does he I mean, what does he do other than like say I love you and can we talk? <laughs> what is his oh, character God. supposed to do? On the nose dialogue. It's a poker face character, so yeah. fine. I bet I don't I don't want to spend too much time with it. It's just that he didn't work for me at all. I agree. Let's let's get to the main event. Even though we both love Jenny Slate, those were funny she scenes. She was absolutely hysterical. All right. Bill Murray. He's gonna those, be nominated. Those stares from Bill Murray throughout the screenplay. Like I don't know how he does it, but his eyes like get wet for some like, what how does that happen? Like when you almost when you almost uh, just force yourself to cry, is this just brain power? Is it, it? Do they spray you 
with a like a I don't I guess I I really don't know I would that would be the first question if I interviewed did they spray you with water before your close up cats like, and dogs happen? living together uh, this is going to be the rest of me for the rest of this episode I'm just going to give you my favorite Bill Murray lines throughout his career he's he's look I I, I think and you actually asked that same question of Paul Walter Hauser when we talked to him I mean, like you you're very tuned into the eyes of a performance and I think my mm-hmm. answer would just be it just comes from years of experience this is a man that can draw on I mean if you read any of the SN books the shit that went on backstage that he had to go through with him Dan Aykroyd all these people never mind the rest of his career and and finding himself and only agreeing to do certain movies and, and the pain he's had to live through with his family etc uh, this is a guy that has a wealth of experience and only is in a luxury position to only have to do the stuff he wants to do and Sofia Coppola is one of those people he wants to work with and when he wants to do something there's few people better I think and that's just I think that's just part of Bill Murray's a game I think he's a wonderfully underrated actor in the same way Robin Williams was because they were both known for one thing, but they are talented enough to do all things. And it's a loud, likable, complex performance, like we said at the beginning of the of the episode. To make that work as a centerpiece of the film, it's going to be memorable, and it's going to be memorable to Academy voters. He is still without an Oscar. The obvious next question is... This probably has to go to supporting, correct? Because lead actor is, is loaded, and yeah, he's got to fight off, you know, probably five of the Chicago Seven, but he's got to go supporting. Uh, I'm surprised. To me, I, I put on on Twitter he's going to be nominated. I, I think it's very obvious he's going to go supporting, and I'm surprised that it's kind of a conversation at all. I also think with the type of movie this is, and what the characters do and where they end up on, I think it would be a little hypocritical to have that character be positioned as the lead of the movie by the studio. I I, I just I don't think that makes a lot of sense to me when he I, I mean, clearly the role he plays to me is one of a supporting role anyway. And I mean, whose marriage is what's on the rocks? It's not anything to do with his relationship. So I, I, I clearly to me think he would be supporting and because of that that's why i said i think he's obviously going to be nominated and yes i think getting him a win would be much easier if he goes the supporting route than the lead route as well yeah it would be a rookie mistake for apple to put him in the lead category here i mean he's got to go against lindo who's already established as a a likely nominee Mm -hmm. for an obviously great performance Anthony Hopkins has been getting a lot of love lately for The Father, Gary Oldman and Mank, Tom Hanks and News of the World, Chadwick Boseman and Ma Rainey, and then you got Daniel Kaluuya and Steven Yun uh, in performances mm-hmm. that people have, have seen and love uh, already out there. Looming over all of it is the Washingtons, right? I mean, I love Tenet's John David performance. I don't think anybody else is going there with it. I'm, I'm kind of upset about that. I thought that was an action movie performance a la Tom Cruise that you know should be highly regarded, but right. people don't love it because people have polarizing views on Tenet for some reason. Anyway, they're confused. They're, you know, they're embarrassed. They're confused. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it could be. I guess if a, a movie confused me, I had to see it three times, but I'm a glutton for that kind of punishment. Anyway, Denzel Washington is looming over this category. And I, to bookend this entire episode, A24, I could see them releasing Joe Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth on Apple TV+, Plus, right? Because that is a Shakespearean play that everybody's had to read or be exposed to at some point during their high school reading lives, right? So Macbeth, we kind of know, is a story that's palatable, and at least they can kind of, you know, make it artistically palatable for people on a broader audience, perhaps. Francis McDormand, Denzel Washington. 
you got to go supporting. You can't reckon with all these people. Can otherwise. you imagine if that happens for Denzel and Bill Murray gets his first Oscar win for this hmm. and Mank and the Trial of Chicago 7 somehow miss out on any... And Netflix gets beaten to the major Oscar stories <laughs> by Apple TV+. Plus. Who goes one for one. <laughs> like, can you imagine... <laughs> the stories and the headlines and what Netflix will do in response. <laughs> and then Apple buys the Oscars right. year and we realize it was all, you know, a, a um, fixed job. Or like, you're like, or they just, you know, people start mysteriously disappearing. <laughs> but yeah, it's all possible. It's all in play right now. I mean, we just talked about the trial of Chicago seven trailer and our problems with that. I don't think it slowed down the hype train at all, but we're going to see what happens with that. We're going to see what happens with Mank. I will be very surprised if Bill Murray at the end of all of this is not nominated for a Golden Globe for the first time since his performance in St. Vincent in like 2014, I think it was, and mm -hmm. does not end up an Oscar nominee for the second yeah, time. Yeah, I have career. I have Chadwick Boseman, Clark Peters, Orion Lee, Samuel Jackson, Michael Stuhlbarg, Hugh Grant, Ben Mendelsohn, Pete Davidson, Kenneth Branagh. You know, Bill Nye, Bill Burr, like those are the people in my supporting actor list. And none of those performances are being widely regarded necessarily as Oscar shoo-ins in the supporting right. actor categories. So there's a high motivation that, to put Bill Murray in the supporting category, yep. which is I'm wondering why they... I'm wondering why they didn't put Delroy Lindo in that category if that was actually something where they would make an announcement because they were debating which of the two they should put him in. Like uh, they I still mean, may. Yeah. It's it's not. I mean, we we kind of talked about it because we just assumed it would be a lead, but I, I think we mentioned it during our Five Bloods review as well. There's there's a chance he could go supporting. So if he went supporting, he's cleaning up. I mean, easily. No offense, Bill Murray, but he's beating him, right? On merit, yeah. Right. Anyway. This is the category, this is the actor that that has the best chance at an Oscar nomination. It would be one of those most likely acting only lone actor nom kind of deals. I mean, we've seen it happen in recent years at Eternity's Gate with Willem Dafoe, the wife with Glenn Close. It was avoided last year with Judy and Renee Zellweger, which actually enabled her to win by many people's thinking. So yep. J-Lo missed out for Hustlers. Exactly. So I was doing all those mental gymnastics throughout this Oscar lens in this review today because I'm wondering, does this movie get in anywhere else perhaps, maybe? No, you don't think so. I don't think so. I'm willing to be proven wrong. I mean, I think to be proven wrong, uh, COVID's going to have to go into overdrive and cause some more havoc. And mm -hmm. I, I think a couple of movies are going to have to be pulled off of streaming services. Um, right. which I don't know is going to happen. I don't see any reason why it would happen. But, uh, I, yeah, I, it would be a nice surprise if this one had legs and lasted. I just don't see it happening right now would be my uh, take. All right, so final question is uh, Green Knight, Macbeth, <laughs> Minari. Which one do you think would go to Apple TV Plus in a latent deal to get them an Oscars campaign before the end of the uh, deadlines here? Uh, is the Green Knight serious? <laughs> <laughs> like, does that really have Oscar's legs? I don't understand. I for for just curiosity's sake, my answer would be that one because I just want to see it. I want to see you, what the hell's going on. Can you imagine if this is the year of the Green Knight? 
Can you imagine <laughs> all the shit we're talking about, the rage we're having against certain films being touted as an Oscar frontrunner, etc. And this is the year of A24's <laughs> The Green Knight, the we, Arthurian Tale. We finally it did great. it. We might we, love it. The Dev Patel medieval drama fantasy. We finally brought it home. You never know. You, but th- that would be fascinating to me. Anyway, Mike, I don't, I don't got anything else. I guess we should put a final grade on this one, you know, because we're just doing non-spoilers today, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm all set with that. I, I think this is absolutely something that people should watch. I think you'll benefit from it. For me, this is squarely a B, uh, if not a high B, probably 85, 86 in that range. I very much like this movie. I was very entertained by it, despite what was going on with my favorite basketball team in the background. Uh, and I truly think uh, you're going to get at least one Oscar-nominated something from this, if not more. So uh, I don't think it'll be more, but I, I think one is is pretty much... I would be surprised at this point if, if that doesn't happen. So uh, that's where I'm at. What about you, Mike? Yeah, if he goes supporting, I think this will be the lone nominee supporting actor nom for Bill Murray, and that would make some sense for me at the end of the day. I'd be surprised if it got nominated anywhere else, but I've eaten a lot of words before, Michael, because we've done a lot of episodes. <laughs> I, I, I grade this a B-plus 87 after first watch, and this is... This is something I want to put on again on October 23rd when it comes out on Apple yeah, TV+. Plus. So I'm, I, I, will wa- I will re-watch this movie happily at the end of the day. You know what Joel Edgerton's character's name is in The Green Knight? Is it some... <laughs> no, just tell me. <laughs> Lord. Just, lo- just e? Lord. Nope. Mm. Nope. Capital L. L-O-U-R-D-E? No. no individual characteristics whatsoever. Spelling jokes, folks. Here's your Oscar. (laughs) Guys, we want to know your thoughts, obviously, about On the Rocks and about the New York Film Festival uh, experience in general, if you've participated thus far or if you plan on doing so in the next coming uh, week or so. Let us know about that, what you have, watch what your thoughts are, uh, and how did you take our interpretation of this? Are you excited? Do you think we're right when we talk about the Oscar chances for this one, or are we missing something? Let us know as well. You can leave us, as always, comments, questions, concerns, everything else on your mind. You can leave those on our social medias where Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com dot com and on Reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including an especially Apple podcast and if you would be so kind as to take 10 seconds out of your day to leave us a five star review hey that'd be pretty cool of you Michael what is coming next from MMO and what are some words of wisdom to end on I think simply enough, words of wisdom for today is, you know, watch uh, Sofia Coppola's filmography. I think you want to watch more of it. I think I want to rewatch some of it. I think, uh, you know, she's had a career that's just been fascinating and it's off the beaten path, even though it's like following in her father's footsteps at the same time. Which is, again, you know, just fascinating to dissect. And we do those rewatch series from time to time. Maybe we should do a Sofia Coppola rewatch at some point. Yeah. What's coming next? Uh, look, we've been working on the website pretty hard this week, folks, so we're not putting out quite as much content, but we're going to watch Nomadland on Saturday night and then maybe record that episode on Sunday or Monday. We have a James Bond character study for Skyfall lined up uh, later on next week, perhaps, and these Oscar race checkpoints continually fill up google documents and we gradually need to put them out so obviously we have an oscar race checkpoint for you at some point as well we're going to get a film year out of 2020 somehow and some way yes guys as always when reality sucks come check out the movies at the new york film festival with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya